So when I was 18 years old, a week before high school graduation, I graduated from West Waterloo High School, 18 years old, a week before graduation, an acquaintance comes up to me and says, Dave, what if we did a road trip after graduation? I mean, let's do a road trip. My dad's giving me a new car, a Volkswagen Beetle, and the day after graduation, I need to drive to Los Angeles because uh, I have a cousin getting married there. Would you go with me on this two-week road trip? So it took me about 10 minutes to figure out this is a good plan. So we got in his brand new Volkswagen Beetle. We drove across, uh, halfway across the country. It got to be too late. We were too tired. So we got out of his car. We had a couple sleeping bags. We threw them between the two highway deals. We just pulled in there and we kicked some rocks out of the way and we laid down and slept. And I got up and there was this sign and it said, be careful of tarantulas. <laughs> so we shook our sleeping bags, we threw them in the car, we, went, uh, we got the rest of the way and then this brand new car that Marty was the kid's name, he realized he couldn't drive his new car on the interstate highways of Los Angeles. He was too nervous. So he said, Dave, you're going to have to drive all the way. And he sat in the passenger's uh, seat and he just covered his eyes. All the time we were driving, we turned around. We were coming back after about 10 days. And we were going to stop in Kansas City because my girlfriend was in a program to train airplane stewardesses. And so we got a hotel room. And uh, it was a Friday night, and she was going to come visit me in the hotel room. And so Marty was going to be kind, and he was going to like leave, the, leave and go find something to do for a few hours. And so he got his coat on, he went to the door, and he did something very, very courageous. At the door, we had never talked about God, we had never talked about sex, we had never even talked about my girlfriend. At the door, he turns around and says, Dave, I have something I want to tell you. I want to tell you that for me, I've decided to wait until I'm married to have sex because I think that's God's best plan for me. Just wanted you to know, Dave. <laughs> and he left. True story. Absolutely true story. At the time, I was going, whoa! Now, we had not planned on having sex in that hotel room. We did not have sex in that hotel room. And it took me a few months to actually figure out how courageous he was when he said to me, I've decided for myself what my path to following God in sexuality is. And so um, uh, I'm really excited to be here with you. And let me tell you why. When I had four kids in high school at one time, because we have twins, and they're like a year apart. So I had four kids at Cedar Falls High School at one time. And when the youngest were sophomores, I came home to supper. And uh, they're all sitting around barely. You know, we're just crazy supper. And I said, I want to tell you something tonight. I know that you can make any decision you want when it comes to drugs or alcohol or sex. You can, you can make, as, as high school students, you can make any, any, any decision you want. It's on your shoulders. You don't have to do something to prove to me that you can do something. I know already the choice is yours, not me as your dad. That's why I'm so excited to be here. 
Because the same thing is true of you. I know that the decisions are yours. And at 16, 17, 18 years old, you're going to make decisions, and they're all yours to make. And you can choose to listen to the advice of parents or not. You can lose, choose to listen to my advice or not. You can choose whatever you want. It's amazing to me. Some of the most important decisions of your whole life are resting on your shoulders right now. And nobody can make them for you. It's all you. So when I think about what Marty said to me, I was thinking about, I've talked on sex uh, maybe five, six hundred times in, in the last 40 years. I've done high school assemblies on sex. I've done all kinds of things. And tonight, it's like, I just want to talk to you about this path Marty was talking about. So I think we have a slide of a path. And, uh, uh, and I want to talk to you because what Marty was saying to me was, Dave, God has a path for you, and it's a path that's really exciting and really clear and really important. And you get to choose whether you stay on his path or choose your own way. And so what I want to talk to you about tonight is this path that God has. Now, on Sunday afternoon, uh, my oldest son and my wife and I are leaving for the mountains of Utah because every, every fall I go to the mountains for a week. So we decided to go to Utah, and there will be a whole bunch of paths like this, where you begin in the flat, and then you go up into the mountains. And in fact, the one we're going to climb this year, um, actually I've been reading about it, it has bars across the cliff where you actually have to walk sideways, and you have to hang on to the bars because there's like a 500-foot like deal in back of you. And I want to say this about the path of sexuality that you have to choose. There are easy parts of walking on this path of God's plan and there are really dangerous parts and so what are the easy parts the easy parts are like when you're sitting here and singing worship songs it's, it's, it's not hard to think something about sex that's kind of like God but when you're with somebody you really really care about or you're, when you're all alone in a hotel room like I was in Kansas City then it can get really really hard to stay on the path the way you want. So what does God's path towards sexuality look like? His path for you. Uh, the other thing about the, path, the mountain paths in Utah is if you'll stay on the path and not get off, you get to amazing summits and you get to have awesome experiences. And that's what I'm arguing for you tonight. I'm arguing because if you'll stay on God's path of sexuality, you have like amazing, amazing, um, um, things God wants for you in this life. Let me read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, and it's a description of God's path for you. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That word means clean and holy. So it is God's will that you should be clean and holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality. This is God's path for you. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him or sister. The Lord will punish people, men and women, for all such sins 
as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction, this path, that God's laying out for you, this path of avoiding sexual immorality, does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Let me tell you why he put that last phrase in there. It's all about sexual immorality. It's all about doing the right thing. And then right at the end he says, who gives you this Holy Spirit. Why is that in there? Because he wants to remind you that those of you who have given yourself to Christ, this thing of staying on God's path that's the right sexual path, this thing like that, uh, it takes God's power. It takes God's power. And so he just wants to say to you, you have God's power to stay on this path that's God's path for you. So it's a path of sexual purity. It's, it's, it's a path of respecting your future spouse. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you choose not to have sex now, you're actually honoring your spouse one day when you go on your honeymoon and you go, this is my first time. And it's hard to do in our culture. So I know you're in this series about now and later. So I wanted to hit on a few now and later lies that are just out there. Um, so Because there's a whole bunch of those in your culture. So lie number one, what I do sexually now doesn't affect me later, especially if I'm careful. So if I don't get pregnant, the lie goes like this. If I don't get pregnant, if I don't get a disease, if I'm careful that way, then what I do now doesn't affect me later. It's a lie. You know how I know it's a lie? Because almost every month I have married couples who have been married one year, five years, ten years, sometimes twenty years, come into my office and like their marriage is breaking down and I listen and listen and listen and oftentimes the breakdown goes back to before they were married. It goes back that far. Like I never could trust him because he was out with too many women. He cheated on me once. How do I know he won't cheat on me again? All kinds of things. So you don't get past. It, what you do now actually affects what you'll, um, what, how you'll think, what's in your head later. Uh, you and I student comes in. Uh, they've just had a baby. They're living in married student housing. They, they call me and they go, Dave, we have to see you today. This is terrible. And they go to this church. And so they come in, and they sit down at my table, and the guy goes, I don't even know this woman. I go, you're married to her. He goes, no, she's not the woman I married. I said, well, tell me more. He said, we used to have so much fun partying. We were the life of every party. We, we went drinking every Friday night. We did this, we did that. And then she had a baby. And she's totally changed. And she looks at him and goes, well, everybody knows you change when you have a baby. You're not going to party when you have a baby? He goes, nobody told me. <laughs> My dad partied. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to realize that what you do now affects later. And a whole bunch of guys and girls think I can date any kind of person I want in high school and college and have any kinds of relationships I want and then when I'm ready to get married I'll go find that quality person it doesn't work that way it does not work that way 
the people you associate with now, the way you live now, the standard you have for yourself now, it goes on and on and on. Number two, avoiding sexual immorality, like the Bible talks about, means only no sexual intercourse. This is like the biggest North American United States lie there is. It's like when you hear me say, the Bible says no sexual immorality, most of you translate that as intercourse, when the penis penetrates the vagina. But anything else is okay. Anything else is okay. It's like we can be naked together. We can like do all kinds of stuff. In fact, student leaders a few years ago, when I was leading Big House, which is a while, they go, wait, you mean we can't be naked together? They literally said, we have, we have a rule between us that one of us keeps our pants on. Because we thought that was acceptable. When the Bible talks about sexual immorality, it's talking about giving yourself in nakedness. Giving all of yourself. And so, uh, as you're thinking about, where am I going to draw my line? Where am I going to draw my standard? You have to realize. But remember, the choice is yours. You choose anything you want. But what I'm saying is, like, the way you live now really affects you later. And so you need to be avoiding any kind of nakedness together. That's the Bible's root. Pornography has no victims now or later. Especially guys, I want to talk about this. So many guys believe, I can, be, I can use pornography now, and then when I get married, it will end. I just need to say... It doesn't work that way. I have so many married guys come into my office from this church. They go, I can't break it. I can't break it. It's a lie. Remember we're covering the lies? And actually, it's not only like uh, girls. I would say a word to you. I was with some student leaders a couple years ago up at, un- up at the union at UNI, and there are student leaders in our college program, and I was having a talk with them, and we went for a walk, and we're walking into the union down the steps, and there's this guy ahead of us. And one woman says to another woman, they're like, I don't know, second-year college students. They're looking at his butt, and they're going, nice butt, isn't it? I'm going, what? <laughs> so it's like not just one-sided. Number four, once you've had sex now, or been naked now, or given yourself now, there's no reason to stop for later. Here's the, here's the amazing grace of God. When you're honest, when you leave his path, you're always free to come back to his path. You're always free. That's what grace is. That's why he died on a cross. Because like you're free to come back to this path. So you can mess up any, any way that happens. And then you can say, God, forgive me. I want to live a new way. I want to stay on your path. Number five, date rape doesn't happen much now or later. Girl comes into my office on like a Wednesday. Says, Dave, I haven't gone to school for three days because my boyfriend decided on Saturday night that tonight was the night we were going to have sex. And we drove out to a place where we sometimes park and he told me tonight's the night. And he was on top of me. 
and he had sex with me. I said, it's called date rape. She said, I know, but it's so hard when it's your boyfriend. And he took me home and he thought nothing happened except for he had decided. I just want to say it happens at Cedar Falls High School. It happens at you and I. And um, if the answer is not yes, then the answer is no. And if you've been keeping a secret like this and it happened to you, you need to tell somebody. Not for revenge or vengeance, for health. In fact, if there's any secrets that you're keeping about sex that you've never told anyone, and sometimes this comes up in small groups, you need to find one of our staff people who cares so much about you, and you need to tell them. Who you are, number six, who you are with now doesn't determine who you'll marry later. You know, this whole relationship thing and sexuality thing is not like a game. It's like actual real life. And like you're making decisions and setting a course and choosing a path that like um, has rules and consequences. Number seven, make a mistake now and God punishes you later. Now remember, we're covering lies. That's a lie. You can make any mistake and ask God because of what Christ did on the cross to forgive you and God will forgive you. But you know what doesn't go away? are the natural consequences, natural consequences of uh, the behavior that you've chosen. He doesn't take those away. So obviously, you know, if you get pregnant, I mean, you know, this is just an obvious one. If you would get pregnant, God will forgive you, but you still are pregnant. If you have memories in your head from some stuff you did, um, God will forgive you, but you still have the memories. A guy knew, a guy down at the supper, you know, uh, we have a supper on Wednesday night, and a guy who knew, knew me found out I was talking about sex tonight, and he came over. This is like an old guy, 40, 40 years old. <laughs> and he goes, Dave, I just wish you would tell the kids that once the memories are in their mind, they can't get rid of them. Because I've got all kinds of memories in my mind from stuff that I did that I would give anything to get rid of. God has a plan for you. It's a beautiful plan. It's a wonderful plan. It's the best plan because he created you and he knows what's best for all of us. And he says, stay on my path. And my path is one of like righteousness and doing it my way. Now I want to say a word to girls. Young ladies. There's something incredibly attractive about, about you. Now hear this. You have a heavenly father who loves you. And that's attractive. But there's this other thing. The guys around you won't tell you. And what it is that's so attractive, I would label mystery. And I know it because I was a guy. And so if you're in my class... Or I like like looking at you, or uh, we're even friends. There's this thing about you called mystery that's really attractive. Take off your clothes and let me have you without commitment. And the mystery goes away. Hear me. It's your choice. If you want 
to keep that attractive mystery until you're married. So that the one guy who gets to have you, I would say, lots of guys will tell you, if you love me, you'll do this or this or this, or this is what love is. As honestly as I can tell you, there's an attractive mystery around you. From a guy's perspective, don't give it away. Get commitment first. So, a lot of you have heard me tell this story, but I, I have to close with it. I have to tell again. In fact, I'll invite the band up. This is my last story. Uh, I used to have big house in my living room. This is years back. And we would have 50, 60 kids, mostly juniors and seniors in high school. And one day I came in, and a lot of them weren't church kids in those days. We have a lot more church kids now than then. And when I first came to town, I just started gathering kids. And so they're in my living room, and I'd never taught on sex in Cedar Falls before. And I said, tonight we're going to talk about the best sex ever. And they were going, what? No, I mean, we're going to talk about the best sex, not sex under a picnic table in some dumb park. We're going to talk about the best sex ever. So I had this big flip chart on the front. My whole wall was covered. I said, give me an idea. Come on, what would be the best sex? Come on, come on, come on. And nobody would talk. I mean, it was silent. Finally, a guy in the back goes, well, I want a hot tub. <laughs> okay, you're with me. Hot tub. Then another guy, he's like thinking, whoa, hot tub. And he yells out, lots of mirrors. <laughs> so I'm going, okay, a hot tub and lots of mirrors. We're going here now. And another guy goes, I think it should be in the mountains. Okay, I'm tracking with you. They couldn't believe I was writing it up. Hot tub, lots of mirrors, it's in the mountains. Now the girls, they're a little more mature. So one of the girls, this is an absolutely true story. If Jenny Rogers was there, if she's still here tonight, it's absolutely true. One of the girls said, commitment. I want some commitment. So I wrote commitment up. Another girl in another part of the room said, I want to be not afraid of getting caught. I put, not getting caught. One of the guys, you, you can tell where the guys' minds were. He was going like, more than one night. So I put like, a week. One of the girls was saying, um, it'd be cool if we didn't have to keep it a secret. We could tell everybody. But nobody would be mad. Another young lady. I Really, the young ladies were more mature. I would like there to be deep trust between us. No fear of disease. Literally, this is true. I wrote those things up. I stepped back, and I looked at the paper. It was unbelievable to me. I said, it looks like a honeymoon to me. I've been on a honeymoon. I know there are hot tubs <laughs> and mirrors and mountains. And I know it lasts more than one night. Are you with me on this? God, God doesn't want to take one thing away from you. 
He knows how you're made. He knows what's best. I swear to you. If you can stay on his path, if you can ask for forgiveness for whatever mistakes you've made, and you'll make some more, and if you can decide, I really want that. I want to get to the summit on God's path. And if you can, as a follower of Christ, understand his powers in you, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I know you can. I'm going to pray. I, uh, I, uh, I was down, and then I went to my office. My office is down the hall. And I shut off the lights, and I paced back and forth, and I prayed to God. I prayed that God would help you hear what you need to hear tonight. So if you need to hear forgiveness and grace because you messed it up, hear that. If you need to hear hope, hear that. If you need to hear a call to commitment, to like, actually, I don't know if you know a guy named Matt Reister, but he heard a talk like this one night. He's old now. He and his girlfriend took a magic marker and drew a line around their neck and said to each other, we're not going to be physical below that line. Now he's married. He's got a bunch of kids. He's really glad he did that. I'll say a prayer and then uh, we'll worship. Dear God, I pray that you would be with every student in this room and that they would have a strong sense that you are a God who can give them what they need tonight and that you are a God can give them the power to stay on the path that you have for them. I pray for every girl that she will understand how beautiful she is in your eyes. I pray you'll help her remember there's a mystery around her and she ought to keep it. I pray for every guy. It's hard to be a guy. It's hard to be a teenage guy when it comes to sex. Father, I pray for everyone that you would give them power. Power to be the man that you're calling them to be. And help. And Father, as uh, this is talked about in these small groups coming up, could, could that be uh, some honest talk and some careful talk and some talk about the path, please. In Jesus' name, amen.